0: To kind of just just to get to know some of the other congregations and fellowship a little bit, and uh, I am just privileged to be with you here this morning. I apologize; my wife couldn't be with it. She is man like laid out with these allergies. She has allergies, and whatever it is going around in the air, I can smell it and sense it, but it doesn't affect me like it does her. So she's kind of wiped out this morning. So pray for her, please. Uh, I want to share before I get into the word this morning. I, I, you know, I go way back with the Spiegel's. Uh, I've known them for a few years. (laughs) And uh, uh, back when uh, we were missionaries, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of people that don't know this, but I was actually the youth pastor here in this church a long time ago, (laughs) a long time ago in 80 something. (laughs) And moved on from there, pastored uh, what is now High Point Assembly for uh, six years, and then went to the mission field for 20 years. We were 20 years as missionaries, primarily in Mexico, but then all over the world, all over Latin America, all over Africa. And uh, just uh, God blessed that ministry for that time. And then the Lord brought us back home. And uh, so this is our our home. I was was raised actually uh, here in... Copeville. from the time I was a freshman in, in, in what is Copeville, and we went to the First Assembly in Lavon back in, the, in those days and started our, our ministry there. And so it, it, it's good to come home, and I, I met the Spiegel's a long uh, time ago and then watched their ministry develop, and God has just blessed them. And you are blessed to have them as your pastors, uh, David and Kim, and, and you are extremely blessed. I want to share a passage of Scripture. You know, I don't know if you know this, it's October, is Pastor, Appreci- Pastor Appreciation Month, not day, month, we, so the, the whole month. you got all months to bless them, amen? And I want to encourage you to, to just do what you can to, to make sure they know you love them, amen? Find a way to bless them on a, on a very personal way. I'm, I'm sure the church has probably got something organized at some point to, to honor them and, as a church, but as individuals. You know, the Bible says in John, or excuse me, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. And he's talking about, he's talking to the, to, to the children of Israel. He's as, actually basically talking to them about their backslidden state. You've rejected me. You've turned away. And he said, but there's coming a day. And, and un, under the old covenant, they, they had just totally failed. They, the, the, the priests had become corrupt and they were, they, they were failing to bring the they were promoting religion rather than relationship. And in Jeremiah 3.15, it says there's coming a time when I'm going to redo this. We're going we're going we're going to redo this He's talking about a new covenant. He's he's prophesying about the new covenant. And he says, "I will give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding." And it shall come to pass that you'll be multiplied and increased in those days. God's going to bless you. Why? Because he's going to give you pastors that, after his heart who loves his people. And that's what, now, I want to be careful what I say here. Because there is actually an, an idolatrous concept in Christianity today. And it's that we look for, and the Bible prophesies of that. He tells us in the last days, people won't hold to sound doctrine, but they'll, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Preachers and pastors and teachers who will tell you what you want to hear. And we buy into that because, the, that, and I say idolatrous because now we're not, we're not really looking to listen to teachers or preachers uh, based on what God says which is for us, but we want to decide what we want to worship. We want to decide what God has for us, and we want to name it and claim it or whatever. And so we look for somebody who will tell us what we want to hear. And God says, I love you. And sometimes I'm going to tell you some things that aren't easy to swallow. (laughs) Sometimes I'm going to tell you some things that's for your benefit, but it may not be easy to hear. But can I tell you, you've got some pastors who love you. And they're going to tell you the truth. Do you know that? You know that, right? They, they're going to tell you the truth. And you're going to, you're going to be blessed because of it. So I, I just encourage you just make sure they know how much you love them. Make sure they know how much you appreciate their ministry. I, I'm very familiar with the sacrifice that they've made over the years uh, to do what God has called them to do and it's it's been it's been a, a a joy a privilege of mine to to have known them these years and to see the progression in their ministry to see how God has blessed them but to talk to them in private times and hear their passion not only for the gospel but their passion for the people your pastors love you and they want the best for you and they're going to preach the truth so i just i just thank God for them and i, I they're they're blessing somebody else's congregation this morning and they they'll be blessed this morning over at High Point, uh, Pastor Brian's over at, at, at First Assembly at, at our church this morning. I'm sure they're having a wonderful time, but, but, but boy, throughout the, throughout the, the, the uh, course of this month, make sure you're finding an opportunity. Just personally, let them, maybe write them a little letter. Maybe write them a little letter. Anybody ever heard of a Pentecostal handshake? <laughs> you take do you take a a, a little uh, bill, you know, wad it up in your hand and just say, "Hey, God bless you." <laughs> Slip that little, you know, just just bless him. I, we I you know, I had a family one time, they see me all the time at El Rodeo. Anybody ever been to El Rodeo in Levon? Mexican food place got the best hamburgers around. I don't know how that what that has to do. I think it's the, they cook the the the, the hamburger meat on the grill with all the other stuff and uh, the Mexican food. It, it tastes really good. But somebody gave me slipped me a, a a gift certificate to rodeo. They said we know you go there all the time. Said so he just here have a few hamburgers on me. So just bless you, pastors. Amen. Now, man, I want to get into the word this morning. You know, the, the other thing we do, we as the pastors, we we. We kind of put together a core sermon outline, so we're basically all preaching the same thing. And it's it's interesting because uh, cause we're we're making sure everybody's got the different notes and the, all the different things. And uh, and, and so Pastor <laughs> Pastor David was, was talking, to, you know, sending me texts and email you got your notes? Hey, we got you know because we have a standard set of notes, and but if there's anything that we want to change or modify, and and I I wouldn't send it. And 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 he's he's like. You know, we, we we'd like to have that if if, if you can. But the Lord was really dealing with me, and and it's the same context, the same uh, text. But I took a little bit different route. The Lord spoke to me for this church and, and for this service. And honestly, and I, I did send you the notes, so you'll have them up here here in just a minute. So Second Kings chapter seven. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me. But I was I was I was. You always wonder, you always check yourself, is that really the Lord, or am I just trying to be different, am I trying to be, you know, whatever, and, and then I, I, I listened to every song that was sung, and then I'm sorry, I forgot her name, the, your youth pastor's wife, Kristen, Kristen, Kristen. I, Kristen, she began to share, she almost preached my message, <laughs> so I'm like, well, I need to just sit down and say amen, and just, you know, so I, I think the Lord is trying to tell us something this morning. So, so I, want, I, want, uh, I want us to look at this, this passage in, in 2 Kings chapter 7. I'm going to read this passage, and then I, I want to kind of make sure that we have a context of what's, what's going on. And then I think there's some things that we can learn from this. Some things, I've got three questions that we need to ask ourselves uh, in how to apply the lesson to be learned here. So 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning with verse 3. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the gate, of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay we here until we die? If we say we'll go, we'll go into the city, there's a famine in the city. And if, if the famine is here, and we will die. If we stay here, we'll die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. Let's, let's give up. Let's surrender. If they spare us, we'll live. If they kill us, then we'll die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and of horses and of a great army. So that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents, their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, and ate and drank. They, then they took silver and gold and clothes, and they went off and they hid them. Then they returned and entered into another tent, and took some of the things from it, and hid them also. Now, before we move on, I'm going to give you a little bit of context here. The Arameans were sieging the city of Samaria, a walled city. They were sieging, they had laid siege to the city of Samaria. The Arameans, this is the context, this is the time of Elisha. How many of you remember the story when the the enemy comes round about, you know, and Elisha's servant sees the enemy and and, and camped round about them, the enemy's coming to, to get Elisha. And Elisha tells his servant, don't worry, there are more for us than there are against us. You remember that story? That's exactly what preceded this a short time before. What was happening was that, Arameans just decided they wanted to slaughter the children of Israel. They wanted to come against Israel. And, and every time they would do it, God would speak God would speak to Elisha, said, "They're coming over here, they're going to attack from here, be ready." And, and, and he, was, it, 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 he was cutting off their plans. They figured out it was Elisha that was hearing from God, so they sent this, this army to capture Elisha. Well, when, when the army came to get Elisha, he prayed, and they all became blind. And then he led them. He said, y'all follow me. <laughs> he led them straight into Samaria. And, and then he said, okay, God open their eyes. And, and, and God opened their eyes. And they saw that they were surrounded now. They're, now they're surrounded. They're surrounded by the Samaritan army, the Israel army. And they're, they're gonna, about to kill them. And Elisha said, no, 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 no. Don't touch them. God is, has brought them before you. And they made a feast for them. They made a feast for them. They they prepared all this food, gave them food. The people that were trying to kill them, their enemies, the people that were trying to kill them, they they made this feast for them, and and then they sent them on their way. Now, a little bit of time passed, and the Arameans decide, well, we're going to go after them again. Now, I want want to say something to start off here because it it has much to do with the, the lesson that we're going to learn here. I want you to see, grace was not invented at the cross. I think one of the biggest, almost almost a heresy, it's it's it, it's it's a very false statement, is to think that under the Old Testament they were saved by the law, and to think that now we're saved by grace. That is, there is nothing further from the truth. Listen to me, salvation has always been by grace, always. The law was the, was the expression of their love to God, not God's love for them. From, from Adam, to, to, from Genesis to Revelation, God has always acted first. We say that God, grace is God's unmerited favor. Let me put it to you this way. This is kind of my definition of grace. It's God taking action on our behalf, toward us, expressing himself, he, but him, God taking action for man on man 's behalf, for no other reason than that he loves us, and we just sang that song, oh my goodness, for no other reason than that he loves us. now, do you know that God loves everyone now, my point in in before we get into this story. The Arameans have been trying to destroy God's people. God's been protecting them, but God's not destroyed them. He keeps giving them a chance to repent. He keeps giving them a chance. So grace is off grace. God's manifests his grace, but it's not that God has not given grace to you or God's not given grace to them. It's that they have rejected the grace that's expressed. I love the story of of Moses when he, you know, when, you know, when Moses first gets sent by God to Pharaoh, he's like, you know, first he didn't want to go. You remember that story? He didn't want to go. And and God says, go, I'll take Aaron with you if you need, if you think you need some help, but I'm going to be with you. And he tells him, I want you to tell him this, this, and this. And, And then he tells him, you read the story. He says, now Pharaoh's going to tell you no. Pharaoh's going to tell you no, but I'm going to work on Pharaoh to convince him to say yes. And so the first time, I, I wish I could have been there. You know, the first time Moses comes to, to Pharaoh, he's like, excuse me, Pharaoh, sir. <laughs> you know, God God sent me and he, he, told, he, he, he told me to tell you to, to let his people go and, and What? Who do you think you are coming to me? Who do you think you are? If, you, if you've got time to come up with some kind of scheme like this, then you've got too much time on your hand. I'm going to give you all more work to do. Get out of here. And so Moses goes back, oh, God, I did what you told me to do. Look what happened. Look what happened. Now everybody's mad at me. He said no. And God, and this is a beautiful story because you read through Exodus because God tells him again. It's like God saying, okay, Moses, Read my lips. I'm going to tell you this again. I want you to go back, say the same thing I told you, and and he's going to tell you no, but then you tell him, then I'm going to teach him a thing or two. And of course, you, you know the story all the plagues and all the different things. The point is not only was God saving Israel, but God was trying to reach Egypt. God was trying to reach, God was trying to reveal to them, I am the God of all creation. Do you know that that God always wanted to save everybody? What did did Jonah get mad at God about? He didn't have a problem with telling the the Ninevites that they're going to hell because he hated them. What he got upset was God ended up forgiving them. I just knew you was going to forgive them. I knew you're a loving and patient and merciful God and I I didn't want you to forgive them. The Ninevites were not, they were Gentiles. They were, not, they were not the children of Israel. God, you know, going into to Jericho. Uh, uh, it's, it's interesting, the, the, uh, Rahab, the harlot says, we knew from the day you came in here 40 years ago that God had given you this. Well, the question is, why didn't you repent then? God saved Rahab. God saved Rahab, but he judged the rest. Now, my point is, God's always saved by grace, and he's always giving people the opportunity to repent. And so here's this scenario where God has permitted, if you will, the Arameans to come again. This has been an ongoing thing, and here they come again, once again, and God is supernaturally. The the, the Samaritans or the, the Israelites, they have never beat the Arameans on their own. They've always had supernatural help. They've always had supernatural help. They've always had divine help. The Arameans do it, and the Israelites should have known it. <laughs> they should understand it's been God defending them. So I want to give you a little, just a little synopsis of, of what this situation is now. There's several things that we need to see, and there's some questions that, that I want us to, to ask. I know I threw a bunch of stuff in here that wasn't on the notes, but it, so they're, they're going to have a... Fun time following me. But the synopsis of the story, here's here's where we're at. The city is surrounded by the enemy. The city is completely surrounded by the enemy. There is a famine. They've they've been besieging the city. They can't get any water in. They can't get any water, you know, they can't get any food in. The, The supply that they had, the wall protected them from the enemy, but it also prevented them to get out and get any resources, so they had run out. As a matter of fact, the, the in chapter six, preceding chapter seven, it tells the, the situation had gotten so bad that two women had made an agreement. They were dying of, of they were they were dying of starvation. Their families were dying of starvation. And they made a pact that one one day would kill her baby, and they would eat the baby to feed their family. And the next day the other woman would, but then the other woman backed out and didn't and and they came crying to the king. And, and the king rent his robes in despair, in, in anguish for the people. It's come to this. God, now, God is allowing all this to happen. So I want you to see the despair in the city, the, the famine, the despair, the anguish among the people. I mean, this is a serious dilemma, and there's no hope. Now, the lepers are outside the gates. But the lepers in those days, they, they were the, 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 the forerunners of social distancing. You couldn't, you couldn't, uh, they couldn't take a bath. They, were, they weren't to wear clean clothes. They couldn't comb their hair. They had to make sure they looked like a street person. They had to make sure they looked dirty. And then they would cover themselves. And if somebody was coming to them, they weren't to allow anybody. And they were, they were required by the law of the day to shout out, unclean, I'm unclean. Don't come near me. So they lived outside the city. But they lived on the mercy and and offerings and and the charity of the people inside the city. When people were coming in, in and out of the city, that's why they were at the gate of the city. They sat there and they would beg for food. They would beg for, you know, for help, for a little money here or there. So so their life was dependent upon the people inside the city. But they came to this point where We're outside the city; the walls are shut, and they're dying of famine inside the city. So, what's going to happen to us? What are we going to do? If we sit here, we die, because there's no there's no one to sustain us. There's no way for us to have anything. The people, if we if we try to go inside the city, which they they because of the social health regulations, we can't go inside the city. But even if we could, we'll just die there because everybody inside is dying inside the city. If we go in, we die. If we sit here, we die. They come up with this great plan. Let's just go give up. Let's surrender to the Arameans. Maybe, maybe they'll have mercy. They'll feel sorry for us. Maybe they'll give us, you know, an egg mcmuffin on the side. you know. Maybe they'll give us a scrap of food. Maybe they'll they'll maybe they'll feel sorry for us and let us live and give us a little food. Or maybe they'll kill us, but at least then they'll just chop our head off or whatever, at least it'll be over and done with. What have we got? Here's their question. What have we got to lose? So they make a decision with this impossible, hopeless scenario. If we go inside, we die. If we sit here, we die. We might die if we go over here, but the option that we can see is that maybe the enemy, maybe the enemy will have mercy on us. This is their thinking. Everybody with me? So, this situation is hopeless. Their best case scenario is that the enemy will sorry for, will feel sorry for. So my question for you, the first question, is this an act of faith? Is this an act of faith on their part? Is is the blessing that they ultimately find? We see that they find. Is it a result of this great faith? Is it a reward of something they have done? I mean, they're given up to the enemy. There's not a mention of God in here anywhere. God's in control. We understand that. You and I understand that. But the enemy, I mean, the enemy's in control, and these four lepers, they're just giving up. So my answer would be, no, it's not an act of faith. It's not an act of faith at all. God's blessing was not according to their faith or any action on their part. Their greatest anticipation, their greatest hope at this moment was that the enemy would feel sorry for them. But this wasn't an act of faith. It was an act of grace. It was an act of grace. Remember, grace is God acting on our behalf just because he loves us. No other reason. Just because he loves us. This is an act of grace. They st- I, I, I don't remember who I heard this from. I don't remember who, but I, I, I remember hearing a, a message. I don't even remember the, the, the preacher, but I, but I remember the phrase, they stumbled into the grace of God. They just, they weren't looking for it. They weren't anticipating. They weren't seeing it, but they stumbled into the grace of God. It's that, and it's not that, that, that God wasn't aware. God took the, the action. God took the initiative. God was reaching out. God was over everything. He was orchestrating everything all the time looking for their good, but they just didn't see it. They didn't understand it. They didn't, they didn't even anticipate it. The thing we need to understand here is that we did not earn. We do not earn. Or deserve in any way the merit. They didn't earn the merit that they received. And we don't deserve the blessing that we've received. There's nothing we have done. There's, there's nothing we, you and I have done to deserve what God has given us. What he has blessed us with. And, and in this context, they, they did not deserve this. They, they had not earned it. It was not an expression of faith. They didn't, you know, they didn't walk up to the Arameans, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, I rebuke you. Well, this was before Jesus, but they, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I claim the possessions of the land. No, they were scared to death. But they didn't see any other hope than to give themselves to the enemy. They didn't realize they were in God's hand the whole time. That ought to make that they were in God's hand the whole time. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you perceive the situation that you're in, you're in the hand of God. God's, God's got you. Amen. Second question. Upon finding that, you know, they, they went into the camp and the, I mean, God had scared, God had scared the the Arameans to the point that, I mean, they just they got out of there. They, they ran and left everything. I mean, there's food still on the pot. I mean, you know, on the, on the, on the fire. There's, there's, they, they, now, imagine that with me. These lepers who have nothing. They're filthy. They're dirty. They're outcasts. They have no money. They have no food. And they walk in, and the enemy is completely gone, but all of their possessions are there. They go in, they hadn't ate like that in years. And they're they're going in, they're just, can you just see them? I mean, they're getting a turkey leg. They're just just gorging themselves. And, And then they start, I can see these guys, filthy street people. Okay, now they're trying on new clothes. Hey, man, look at this. How's, it, how's this jacket fit on me? How's this robe look? How's this tunic look? You know what? It, they're trying on brand-new, fine clothes. They've got all the clothes. Then they start finding silver and gold and all kinds of things. They, 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 they've got tents and cattle. They've got, they've got all the horses. They've, they've got the wealth of the Aramean army at, right at their disposal. And so they start collecting some of it and going to it. Can you imagine four guys with the whole army? I mean, it would <laughs> It would have taken them a lifetime to try to hide all that. But but God has just richly blessed them. Now, here's, here's, they didn't deserve it. We understand that. It wasn't an act of faith. Upon finding the enemy defeated, that's, that's the point I want you to, let that sink in just a minute. The enemy is now defeated. Amen. Everybody say that with me. The enemy is defeated. The enemy's defeated. They're gone. The enemy's defeated. Upon finding the enemy defeated, and the spoils have now been delivered into their hands, they rejoiced. They ate, they drank, they lavished upon themselves all the blessings they had discovered. Now, here's the question. Question number two. Was it wrong for them to enjoy the blessings of God? No. No, it was not. Was it wrong for them to enjoy the blessings that God had provided them, even though they didn't deserve it? Even though it was not an act of their faith, it wasn't an act, they, they in no way at all deserved the blessing. But look at the blessing they found. And they, they, they were having a party, man. They were, they were having a great time. Was it wrong for them to enjoy the blessings? No. No not at all. God had provided it. It was not wrong, and it's not wrong for us to enjoy what God in his grace gives to us. It's not wrong to enjoy the grace that God bestows upon us. None of us deserve what we've been blessed with. There are some of us that think, well, I've, you know, you know, I hope this, this person is, is not, not out of meanness, but I hope he's Dead and gone now, <laughs> but I, this, this this I remember a guy when I was passionate in Roy City. I remember because he would get up. We would have certain times back in those days, usually on Wednesday night, but we'd have you know prayer requests. Anybody got a prayer request? This guy would sit up for like this goes on for like six weeks. Pastor, <laughs> I need the church to pray. I got laid off. I got fired. They, I got fired. I need a job. I need God. To, I need, I know, man, I just, I just wasn't ready for this. I don't know what it is. I need a job with the church. Please pray. We're going to pray for this, brother. We're going to pray that God blesses you, that God gives you a good job, that he gives you more money. We're going to, they're going to believe that. This goes on, every, and every, every time there's a prayer, he gets back, up, I still don't have a job, please. You know, and this goes on and on and on. Six weeks, something like that. Then I come to church on a Wednesday night. I was in my office. I come out of my office into the foyer, and I see him in the hall talking to some other men. And he's got his head held high. He he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. My old company, they they called me back, and they offered me a raise. They gave me a bonus to come back and rehire. Yeah, I knew it. They realized they couldn't live without me. They needed me. You know what? It was was the grace of God that I didn't slap him right there. I'm like, (laughs) do you not see that this was the handiwork of God? This was the answer to prayer. Had nothing to do with you. And and sometimes we like to take, we, we acknowledge God to a degree, but we like to think that, you know, part of what we have, we've earned it. I'm not going to elaborate on that point. <laughs> we, it's God. It's His grace. It's His mercy. None of us deserve what we've been blessed with. Now, it is true. It is true. And there's a whole uh, The other side of grace is this. It's grace through faith. Amen? That we, as a matter of fact, there's an emphasis throughout the New Testament. There's more emphasis on faith than there is grace. Did you know that the, the one word that we use a lot, that Jesus never, check it in your Bible, in any version. Jesus never uses the word grace. Break out your red letter edition. And you'll, it, 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 I just find that interesting. He does talk about faith and fear. Ooh, I, we're not, that's, a, that's a whole other sermon. But we need to understand we walk by faith. What is faith? Basically, faith is synonymous with obedience. You can't separate Faith, from, faith is not, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. That's, that's, not, that's not faith. Faith is, even when it looks impossible, I'm going to obey what he says. Right. I'm going to do what he says. Faith is obedience. You can't separate faith from obedience. So I understand that, that there's this aspect of faith, and God rewards our faith. God, God leads us in that. But uh, we need to understand that all of us have received more than we've had faith for. Amen? Every, every one of us are blessed with more than we, if, if, we if, if we're dependent on what I have faith for, we're in trouble. Uh, but it's by His grace, God acting toward us. That doesn't negate the need for faith, the need for obedience. We need, we need to, to, to follow in faith. But every one of us have received more than we deserve. And we need to understand the letter D in the little outline. But it, it is not wrong for us to receive these blessings, nor is it wrong to receive them. Just because you don't deserve it, join the club. None of us deserve it, but we all can enjoy the blessings of God. And we shouldn't, be feel, we shouldn't feel guilty about it. We shouldn't, sometimes we feel guilty when God blesses us because we know we don't deserve it. And the enemy's trying to remind us how much we don't deserve it. But God says, I want you to have this because I love you. And I love you is enough. I lo- that's it. His love for us is enough. I love that passage in Romans chapter 8. We, there was the little chorus, I don't think I've heard that chorus, but it, it, it alludes to, to Romans chapter 8, the end of the chapter. And it's talking about there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And, and, but the point that's made in Romans chapter 8 is it's, I, Paul is acknowledging, I know I don't deserve this. I know I'm not worthy. I know there's nothing but, he says, but it's God who justifies. It's God who redeemed me. In other words, God chose me. God redeemed me. God justified me. God saved me. And if you've got a problem with it, you need to talk to him. But as for me, I'm going to take it. <laughs> he, if he's offering it, I'm going to receive it. I didn't earn it. I acknowledge that. I'm not worthy of it. I acknowledge that. I don't deserve it. I acknowledge that. But God chose to give it to me, so I'm going I'm I'm to enjoy it. How many of you give you, your, your kids, or especially your grandkids? You, I love grandkids because <laughs> you can spoil them and send them home. But, uh, you know, when I was a missionary, I made it a point. I made it a point when I was traveling all over the world to, to, <laughs> to, to bring some kind of gifts for my grandchildren. But there was only one criteria. Actually, two. There were two criteria. Number one, the gift had to stay in their house. They didn't bring it to. They didn't bring it to Poppy's. They call me Poppy. They didn't bring it to Poppy's house, and it had to make lots of noise. <laughs> Drums, some bongos, some of the little rattling things. I said, I, I wanted to give something that makes noise, and you had to keep it in your house. <laughs> it was just, you know, kind of grandfather's revenge. But uh, we, <laughs> but you know, when our children or our grandchildren maybe have this subconscious guilt about something and, and we give them a gift and, and when it, you know, they may not feel like they deserve that gift or, and then don't, don't take it or don't appreciate it. Don't use it. How does that make us feel? Well, I didn't give it to you because you earned it. I gave it to you because I love you. I gave it to you because I want you to have it. So God, God has given us things, the question, the question of merit is never in the, in, in the context. He gives it to us because He loves us and he, because He wants us to have it. So if He's given, that's Romans chapter 8. Take, take time to read the, at least the last half of Romans chapter 8 a couple of times this week. Because the point is simply this. If it's God that wants to give it to you, then why are we going to argue with God? Why are we going to argue with God? If He's given it to us and He wants us to enjoy it, let's enjoy it. Enjoy. It's not wrong to enjoy the things that He's blessed us with. I love... <laughs> I thank God for the blessings, and I enjoy them. But here's the third point, and this kind of gets to, to the point of what I want to share this morning. However, I want us to see the point that the lep- these lepers understood. They understood. Now, again, I want to review this scenario. The city surrounded. God's people are dying. The suffering of God's people has become unbearable. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. Now, I want, you, I want you to get a picture. Here's, here's the lepers over here. And they've, they've found all this. But here's the city. Here's the people in the city. And they're inside the wall of this city. They don't know the enemy's been defeated. They don't know. the where, Where's the enemy? I, let this sink in just a second. They're still living as though the enemy had them surrounded. They're still living as though the enemy was still in control. They're still living as though the enemy had them enslaved or in bondage. They're still living impoverished as though they had no resource. They're still living as as though there was no food, there was no money, there was no supply, there's no jobs, there's no opportunity. They're still living based on a lie. They didn't realize what had taken place. And suddenly, and I'm going to read verse 9 for you, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9. Now, remember, the, the, they're over here, they're, they're just, I mean, they're chomping food down. They're grabbing up clothes and silver and gold. They're herding up the horses. They're, 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 they're having a, uh, they're just having a feast. They're having a wonderful time, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But then it occurs to them. In verse 9 it says, they said to one another, what we're doing here is not right. Not the part about them enjoying it. What we're doing here is not right. This is, a good, this is a day of good news. What does the gospel mean? Good news. And we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report, report this to the royal palace. See, it's not wrong. What they, what they in, 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 in verse 9, it, it, it shares with us that they understand we shouldn't be doing this. In other words, we, we shouldn't be doing this for ourselves. It's not wrong to enjoy God's grace and his blessing in our lives. But it is wrong not to share it. It's wrong not to share it with the others. People that for whom Christ died, they recognize God's grace, his blessing, and his provision, but they recognize that it wasn't for us for and no more. They recognize this grace, this blessing is for me, but not just for me. It's for my family, but not just for my family. It's for my city or my people or however you want to, for my church, but it's not just for us. They recognize That it was for all God's people. And so receiving God's grace, we become responsible to share His grace. Becoming a recipient of God's grace brings a responsibility to share that grace. Being blessed brings the duty to share the blessing with others. I love that story about the Cordoba i 'm going to use that by the way i 'm going to use that story in, in our next mission service because our money's not good in heaven. not wrong for us to use it here but 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 you know when I was a missionary, I used to tell everybody i would I would come back after you know four years on the field and I'd come back and and visit the churches that support us, and I would tell them I spent it all <laughs> everything that you gave me, I spent it. <laughs> Because it, it doesn't do us any good. What, it, what good does it do to have a big bank account when the rapture comes? You know, because it's no good after that. It has, serves no other purpose. Now, does that mean we need to live, you know, in, in poverty and not enjoy the things that God has blessed? No, no. Enjoy God's blessing. But understand with that, the receiving of God's blessing, we are bound to be generous and to share and to, to love others and to share the message. Receiving God's grace makes us responsible to share it because it's not just for us. It's for all those for whom Christ died. Now, here's, here's my little conclusion. I want, to, I want us to look at this, how this applies to us today. As was mentioned, and Sister Kristen, as I said, nearly just, she pretty much gave the essence of the sermon Or at least the application of the message that I want to share with you. In these days full of such tension, such hate, and such despondency, such despair, hopelessness really. We need to share what we have found. The hope that we have found with others. Now now I want to make something really clear there. Our hope is found in Christ not a political party, not some other social philosophy. Our hope is in Christ. So we don't carry a little Jesus on our shoulder while we go do this or that or the other. No, 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 no. We separate from everything else and make it clear it's in Christ. The hope is in Christ. The answer is in Christ. It's the gospel, the good news of the gospel I want to make it very clear. We're not not here to promote ideology, politics, opinions, revolution, or the Green New Deal. (laughs) I had to throw that in. Anyway, the blessing we enjoy is not because of our actions or our opinions or our philosophies, but it's because God loves us. And he has sent his son to die for us. Our hope is in the gospel in receiving his grace but then implementing faith faith is what? obedience you know Jesus said if you love me keep my commandments church really the the, the bottom line question is not about whether or not God loves us the question is do we love him? Do we recognize his love for us and do we love him enough to keep his commandments? And one of his main, his principal commandments is go into all the world. Preach the gospel, the good news. He's not in authority anymore. It looks like the enemy's in control. It looks like the, in, the enemy's in control of the media. It looks like the enemy's in control of this or the government or it, whatever. It looks like the enemy is just abounding. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ is in control. There, he has not sidestepped his authority. He's not relinquished any authority. He's not quivering in his boots. Let me tell you, God is in control and God understands. And there is coming a day when the world will see him and every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. But you and I I need now to focus on the fact that the hope is in Christ Jesus and Him alone. It, it, our hope is in the gospel. Our hope is in the fact that God loves us and He's calling us to turn to Him. Can I tell you, throughout this story, and you can pick any story in the Old Testament, you can pick the stories in the New Testament. God allowed things to happen so that people would come to him. God is allowing what is happening. He's allowing the siege, if you will, this this technical siege, uh, the the social media siege, the the, siege of the the news media and everything else. Everybody's trying, you know, the, the, the world is trying to do its best to take to siege, besiege the people of God, the church of the lord jesus christ and the church does not need to get caught up trying to fight a battle on their terms but we need to stand up because we are the blood-bought children of the most high god full of the holy spirit and we need to convey the gospel message to all those for whom christ died we need to seize this opportunity to preach jesus to preach jesus to preach jesus to preach jesus because that's the good news and we, when, when, when we get to tremble, when God's people get to fear, we, we get fearful, we get dreadful, we get worried about this. We're about our finances, worried about uh, uh, apocalyptic stuff. Can I just tell you, God loves you. Yes. It got really bad in Samaria for a while. Because he was waiting on, he was waiting on the opportunity for the Arameans to understand God is in control no matter what they do. And there's coming, can I tell you? And I believe we're going to get to see some of it. I don't know, you know, I, I'm not getting into all the, the timing of the rapture and all that, but I believe we're going to see God reveal himself in such a way as the world knows. They, they, they're going to think they have us down. They're going to think that they, they've won the battle. And then God's going to step in and say, oh, no. <laughs> This is my church. These are my people, and you're not going to touch them. You're not going to touch them. These are my people, and God himself is going to. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to, to fight for it. The only thing that we have to do is follow him and enjoy his blessings while he blesses. Enjoy it, but then share it. But share the gospel. Share the message. Share his message, his love, his grace, and encourage others to take the step of faith. He takes care of the rest. I don't need to figure it out. I don't need to figure out what the stock market's going to do. I don't need to figure out what the Republicans or the Democrats are going to do. I don't need to figure out what AOC's is, what whatever her name is. I don't need to figure out what she's up to. I don't, I'm don't. i not worried about it. Why? Because God's in control. God's in control. Matter of fact, I want her to get saved. She needs Jesus. She needs Jesus. And we need to stand up and start proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know somebody who's all upset, all worried, all and it may be somebody within the family of God, but somebody that maybe that's not a Christian and that you know that they're just, they're, they're, they're enraged or depressed or discouraged. Or they need Jesus. Our world is living as though the enemy's in control. Many Christians are living as though the enemy is besieging us is winning the battle but can i tell you god is in control god has won is winning and will win every battle and he doesn't even need our help (laughs) he doesn't need our help he's going to do it without us he's a matter of fact he'd prefer would you just stand out of the way do what i told you to do let me take care of them if we'll focus on what he's called us to do he'll take care of the rest period And I believe he's going to do it. I want you to stand to your feet with me, please. We need to rejoice in the fact the enemy's not in control. We have that knowledge. We have that understanding. We can sleep peacefully at night. Knowing that when I wake up tomorrow, no matter what happens, God's in control. God's already got a plan. God's God's already figured it out. And I can rest in that. And I can, in the midst of all kinds of... And I believe God's speaking to somebody here today. In the midst of all kinds of crisis, God wants you to enjoy your life. He wants you to enjoy His grace, His blessing. Not to hoard it, not to keep it to yourself, but to enjoy it. This... is. No matter what the enemy's doing around us. How many of you ever read the 23rd Psalm? He's going to set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's going to lead me beside still water, make the green pastures. The enemy's going to be raging all around, but I don't care what they're doing. It's God's going to lead me here, and I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a banquet. I'm going to have a, a, a picnic. I'm going to have a time. I'm going, to, I'm going to rest. I don't have to worry about the enemy because God is leading me. And though he lead me through the, 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 the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. <laughs> Woo! We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry. God, God is with us. But while he's with us, remember, he wants to be with them. That same grace, that same love, that same mercy, that same peace that we can't even understand and sometimes we can't even really explain, he wants to, us to share that with somebody else. It's not a political debate. It's not a sociological debate. It's not an ideological debate. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, the center of everything we're going through, if you'll really, you really pay attention to the tension and all the stuff going on in our world, it all centers around this. Jesus Christ loves us. The world is trying to stop that message. Do you remember when the the disciples first began to preach the gospel? They were thrown into prison, and they told them. they, they, They weren't mad that they preached a message. They weren't mad that they were religious. They weren't upset with them about having a different denomination or a different church or starting different. They weren't mad about that. They were mad because you preach Jesus. You can do everything else. You can be religious. You can have your church. You can do whatever you want, but don't preach Jesus. Church, that's the battle. And what's the message he's called us to preach? Jesus. 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 Jesus crucified, Jesus risen from the dead, Jesus seated on the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for us. We need to preach the message of the gospel. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you would manifest, pour out of that grace. God, thank you. Help us to have a revelation of just how much. We sang about that, how much you love us. God, we can't even fathom. We can't begin to imagine the love that you have for us and your desire for us to be blessed, your desire for us to to have peace and happiness in our lives and with our families. God, you want us to rejoice and to abound in all good things. You want that for us. But God, remind us that with that grace and that love, You have but one requirement, that we follow you and that we share, follow you in sharing that grace with those for whom Christ died. Father, every one of us here knows somebody that needs you. Every one of every person here knows somebody that needs the gospel, a revelation of the gospel message. And God, I pray that you would speak to us. And God, I pray that you would speak specifically to us. God, put that name in our minds, in our hearts. God, God begin to lead us. And I pray that you would challenge us to do whatever it takes to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in this critical time. God, this time is happening. God, you have allowed this to happen to give us the platform the opportunity to share the gospel and god i pray that you would give us the faith god give us the courage the boldness to step forward and be the church that you've called us to be to proclaim the message that you have called us to proclaim with every head bowed, just just real quick i just i just i just have to know before we conclude this service is there anyone here this morning that would say brother mike that's you know I'm not in that place of relationship myself. I've allowed fear and, and all kinds of doubt and worry to, to saturate my mind and my heart. I've allowed the enemy to rob me of the the, 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 the blessings that God has provided for me. I, I'm, I, I'm not walking today in the relationship that I should be walking in. And today, I want to renew that commitment to walk in relationship with my God, my creator. I want to receive his grace and his love and his mercy. I want to walk in that blessing if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just, just slip your hand up real quick. I want to just pray with you. Anybody? Real quick. Thank you. You can lay You set your head now. Yeah. Anybody? Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There are several that have lifted their hand. And that's, you're just simply saying, God, I want that peace that you. I want to receive. I know I'm not worthy. I know I'm not worthy. And you know what? Can I just ask us all? to pray this prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer just, just out loud. I want you to say this out loud. Dear Father in heaven, Father. thank you for loving me thank you. just like I am. And you have chosen me. You have reached out to me. You want to bless me in spite of who I am, in spite of what I've done. And today, I choose to receive your blessing to receive your love and your grace and I choose today to follow you I will obey you to the best of my ability help me Lord be the child you have called me to be and today we all will share our faith we will share the good news with everyone you take us to Receiving your blessing, Receiving your blessing. Enjoying, your love, enjoying your love, we will share it with others. It with others. Thank you, Lord, Thank you. for empowering us to do just that. And we give you all the praise. Amen and amen. Now I want you to be looking for the opportunity. When we make a prayer like that, number one, for everyone that raised their hand, God's going God's to just... God wants to prove to you. You watch for it. You watch for it this week. God's just going to prove. You're going to see blessings that you, you're going to you're going to stumble in to the grace of God. You're going to stumble into blessings that you had not anticipated. He said, "Well, why'd that happen? Because God loves you." God, sometime this week, you watch for it. Sometime in the course of this week, God's going to lead you to a place where He's just going to bless you just cause. Isn't that cool, man? That's, that's, you watch. You watch. And when he does, testify about it. Let somebody know. But now for, for all of us, I just let us in a prayer, and we pray together that we'll share that grace, that, that gospel message with somebody that God, God, this week, I want you to have your spiritual antennas up. In Walmart, you know, wherever, wherever you, at your work, at school, wherever you are, even social distance. Radar goes that far. (laughs) The Holy Ghost is everywhere. And God will suddenly lead you to somebody and He'll he'll it may be somebody you know, maybe somebody you don't know. And God will say, I need you, I need you to share with that person. And I need you to do that. The Lord needs the Lord is asking you. That's exactly what He's asking you. Go share with whoever I lead you to. Just you're that just cause. Just because. Just because God loves them, he's sending you. Are you hearing me? Just because God's sending them, or just because God loves them, he's sending you to share the message. Father, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful day. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love, your grace, and the, and the privilege it is to walk in faith loving you. God, may your favor be upon your people as we go from this place. God, bless your people. May your grace abound in their lives and just reveal your abundance to them day by day. In Jesus' name, amen.